don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like Pac. I shoot the shot. I'm coming in hot. Hello, it's your girl Stephanie, and you are now listening into Inside Beauty Inspires, where we motivate, encourage, and inspire through biblical principles. Today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do things a little different. Um, every morning, you know, Inside Beauty Inspires is is um, it comes from the prayer call that I have every single morning. I've been doing this prayer call for the past five years, almost six now, where I get up every morning at 6 a.m. Shout out. Well, before I get into these affirmations, I want to shout out to my co-host, Ty. You know, miss you on today. Can't wait to see you. Can't wait for you to get back here in the studio with me. And I am continuously praying for you and your family. So we're going to go ahead and get started into, into with these affirmations. I am a problem solver. I am intelligent. I am loving. I am capable, worthy, and qualified. I am creative. I am an overcomer. I can do it. I can make it. I am a child of Almighty God. I am rich with ideas, friends, and responsibilities. I am focused on my priorities. I am forgiven. I am valued and appreciated. I make a difference. People are seeking my services. I am, a, I am always in the right place at the right time. I am abundant. I'm a magnet for abundance, prosperity, and love. I can begin again. My pain can change. I'm enough whether I'm in a relationship or not. I am improving every single day. I'm getting stronger in my discipline and desires to let go of anything or anyone that is not for my highest good. I complete what I start. I am full of peace and love. I am led and fed by the Holy Spirit. I am too blessed to be stressed. I am healed. I am whole. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm above and never beneath. I walk in favor. My God causes doors to open before me. I give praises to my God for all that he does. I will prosper. I am in my winning season. This is my season of victory. This is my season of elevation. I am the head and not the tail. I'm here to thrive and not just survive. I am the lender and not the borrower. Favor surrounds me like a shield, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. God is within her. She will not fall. I call in wisdom and purpose into my life, and I am committed to bringing forth my greatness. I will no longer play small. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Listen, you know, those affirmations, they hit different when you when you say them, when you say them repeatedly, and when you believe what you're saying as a man thinketh, so is he. That's what the Word of God tells us. So today, I want to share this, um, this, this little poem, okay? It says, shaped by the storm. Shaped by the storm. Every season you go through teaches you something about yourself. It can reveal your true character, show you the lack of trust you may have in God, or even show you the importance of trusting in His timing when you may not understand. Every season is different. Each one serves a purpose regardless of how you feel about your current circumstances. You could be on a spiritual high or a low, feel close to God, or the farthest you've ever been. These seasons come to teach you the, the things that need to be removed or allowed to take root. It shows the beauty of growth, even when you feel like you're being buried alive. You see fruit where you felt everything was barren. 
You see life through a different perspective. And when you allow seasons of rain, sun, drought, desert, and storms to shape you and not destroy you. Listen, these trials and tribulations that we go through, they come to make us strong. They come to shape our reality. It's almost like we're in a training session, you know. Whenever we're in training, God is teaching us more about who we are. And in order for us to know who we are, we have to get into the Word of God. If you're not in your Bible, I am I'm so adamant about telling you, open up this book. God is real. Jesus is real. I have had countless of encounters, and I have had Jesus encounters. One of the encounters that I've spoken about um, recently has been Luke 24, when, you know, the Holy Spirit launched me to actually go to Luke 24. You know, I felt the presence around me, and I started talking to my father, Dad. You know, what is this, and where is it coming from? And the Holy Spirit guided me to Luke 24. And in Luke 24, it talks about why do we look for the living among the dead? He isn't there. He is risen. He has risen. He is who he says he is, everyone. And so I just want you guys to, you know, get connected to the plug, the source, the one that everything comes from. Because once you do that, it changes your perspective. It changes everything about you. I always say on the call, um, change that one thing that's going to change everything. Amen. So today I want to come from 1 John chapter 2. Okay. It says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone or anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if any one obeys his word. Love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sisters live in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Blinded them. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong. 
For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lies comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Let's go to John. Let's go to 1 John 3. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will and what will and what will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know what? You know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no, is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were, right, were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask 
because we keep his commands and do what he, what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Let's let's talk about this because here, here's the, the truth of the matter, you know. When you get into the Word of God, you understand it a little bit by and by. And, and that's, you know, those songs, those old songs that they used to sing, you know, you'll come to understand it by and by. You really will. When you start to eat the scroll is what I like to say. It changes you from the inside out. So it, it's, it's, not, it's not that you don't see it doing the work. The work happens on the inside. There's a lot of surface level level. Christians and believers that only do what they think is right and check it off the list. And, you know, that's it and that's all. But you got to go deeper. You got to go deeper. So let's talk about it. I have my commentary here. It says, John's love for these Christians is clear. He speaks as a father to his children, as a pastor to his flock. He has just told them that they, they're crazy if they deny their sin. And then, in fact, the closer you get to God, the more sinful strains his light will reveal in you. But this doesn't grant you license to sin. John says, I am writing you these things so that you know, so that you may not sin. John wants his readers to know intimate and joy-filled fellowship with God, which requires confessing sin and turning from it. The reason why confession and forgiveness are possible is because of the advocate of Jesus. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. The concept here is of a defense attorney in the court of law. If you are a believer, Jesus represents you before the bar of God's judgment. You were bankrupt. You were a bankrupt sinner who couldn't afford a lawyer, but the Father appointed His own Son in your defense. This advocate doesn't share your sins problems. He's the only righteous one. He paid your debt on the cross, and He shed blood. His His shed blood continues to cleanse us today. Let's Let's really talk about it. What is your belief? Do you truly believe that He is who He says He is? You know, um, he'll show himself mighty in the land of the living, and that's exactly what he does. But, you know, a lot of people act like they don't sin or act like they haven't sinned. The Bible tells us he without sin cast the first stone. Can we really throw stones at people? No, not based off of the word of God, because we all fall short. We all have sin. He says, do we keep on sinning? No. See, when you get into your word, it, it creates in you a clean heart. It renews your mind. It shows you a whole nother world, a whole different way of living. It says the reason why confession and forgiveness are possible is because of the advocate, Jesus Christ. Isn't that beauty? That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful uh, re- reality when you think about it because he gives us grace. He forgives us of our sins. We know that God is love. We know that love is patient. We know that love is kind. It isn't rude. It doesn't keep any records or wrong. All of these things that I'm speaking of is written in the word of God. And when you get into the word, you understand it by and by. It says, not only is Jesus our advocate, but he's the atoning sacrifice. How does our fellowship with God grow deeper? This is how we know that we know him. If we keep his commands, whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is made complete. Obedience is rooted in love, and love is a requirement for ongoing, deepening fellowship with God. To know him is a reference to intimate fellowship, not justification, since John's readers are already believers. We are saved by grace, but grace doesn't negate the commands of God. Rather, grace grants you the ability to fulfill them and grow in love. When this happens, you will increase your 
knowledge and closeness of God. It's important for us to have this relationship because, um, you know, think about when you when you first started out of a relationship, you know, you're getting to know that person. Same thing with your father. You're getting to know him when you're getting into the word. And you can look at it just like that. It says the one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. We should be imitators of Christ. That's what Paul tells us. And a lot of times we don't see that. We don't see that a lot. But for imitators of Christ, we have to know exactly what that looks like. We have to know what that looks like. It says, it says here in the commentary, when it comes to making tea, some people dip their tea bags in and out of the hot water. Many Christians approach their relationships with Jesus like this, dipping in and out of church on Sunday mornings with little change resulting. Other tea drinkers place their tea, tea bags in the water and let them remain. In time, the tea seeps into the water and transforms it. For Christ to influence and transform your life, you must remain in Him. You have to stay rooted. You have to stay plugged in. It's so important to stay plugged in. He is the source of life. He's the giver of life. It says, A question naturally arises to grow in intimacy with God, which commands do I need to keep? And, you know, when we start trying to figure it out, like, how do we get to this place? I'm going to tell you right now, it's real clear. It says, He's thinking specifically for the command to love one another. We have to love one another, and we have to love ourselves. It says it summarizes the other. John says it's old and yet new. It's old because it's found in Leviticus 19.18, but it's also new because it's the governing command for the Christian life. Jesus said loving God and loving neighbors are the two great commands. If love has fresh ongoing effect in your life, all the other commands will fall into place, period. They really will. If you can love, I really do believe that if we loved one another the way that the word of God tells us to love one another, this world would be such a better place. But see, we don't. We love with conditions. We don't love unconditionally. It says love has become watered down in our world. I love chocolate cake. I love this dress. I love that TV show. For many people love to strive sentimental feelings. But John will tell his readers in 4.8 that God is love. And if God is love and love is patient, love is kind. Come on, people. We got to be kind to one another. We got to be patient with one another. You got to be patient with yourself. It is a part of his, it's part of his nature for the good of the beloved and for his own glory. When you love your brother or sister, you seek to comprehensively and righteously meet his or her need in a way that brings glory to God. It is no mere expression or feeling, but an expression of something higher, something eternal. When this happens, you remain in the light and have no cause for stumbling. Love for God and neighbors will allow you to see clearly and avoid falling into sin. However, the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, and thus out of fellowship with the God of light. Such a person is blinded and doesn't know where he's going. Walking around in darkness never ends well. Think about it. If Jesus is light, and we're to imitate him, and we're we're to be more like Christ, he tells us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And the Bible tells us that we are love, that God is love. And then you have the enemy. He's busy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He is the other opposition of what love is, darkness, okay? So you're going to, you know, even I even take it to the point of thinking about, like, when Jesus came and he was speaking to the people, he said, I came to open the eyes of those who are blind and to blind the eyes of those who claim they see. There's an illustration right there of light and dark. You know, when you get in the Word, it just breaks things down and it shows you a different way of looking at the Word of God. In these verses, John reminds his audience of who they are. 
He begins by telling them that they are little children whose sins have been forgiven. All Christians enjoy God's judicial forgiveness and have been adopted as his children. John divides these categories into, well, into three categories, fathers, young men, and children. These three terms correspond to different stages of spiritual development, and their goal is maturity. Children have come to know the Father. We all begin as children, both physically and spiritually, and babies get to know their daddies. New Christians come to know God as Father, but we must not remain as children. So next time, so next are the young men, the spiritual adolescents. In the teen years, there are many battles and temptations, but John wants people to know that they need not listen to Satan's lies. They have conquered the evil one through Christ. Finally, there are the mature believers. They have come to know the one who is from the beginning. They have per- persevered over the long haul. Circumstances do not dictate their actions. Their eyes are on the eternal. In which development stage are you? Which development stage are you? We all have a de- development stage, you know. Um, you know, you have the babies, you have the children, you have the adults. And, you know, when you're first coming into believing, you're, you're fed the spiritual milk. We don't know all there is to know. So he gives it to us. And the Bible talks about the different stages. It says when the moon shines, it actually reflects in the light of the sun. And sometimes the earth gets in the way. Though so that the moon's light is diminished. Similarly, we have an enemy that pre- prevents us from reflecting the sun's light on us. That enemy is called the world. The Bible says do not love the world. When John talks about the world, he's not talking about the planet earth. He's talking about the organized system headed by Satan that draws us away from God's love. And will, if you love the world, you lose intimate fellowship with God. You love the world when it owns your affection and governs your choices by getting you to exclude God. What does the world offer you, though? First, it promises to satisfy legitimate desires in illegitimate ways. The lust of the flesh. Eating is legitimate. Gluttony is worldly. Sex is legitimate. Immorality is worldly. Second, the world tempts your mind through what your eyes see, the lust of eyes. Third, there is the pride in one's possession. That is living to impress others. What those in love with the world forget, however, is that the world with its lust is passing away. Worldliness makes the now more important than the eternity. But you are passing through, and the world is passing. It's transit. Only the one who does the will of God remains forever. The price tag for loving the world is the loss of personal intimacy with God. If we don't get into our word of God, if we don't start reading the word of God, then you won't see God the correct way. You won't, you know, you can go by what people say all day, every day. But when you get into the word, you'll see him for yourself. He does speak and he wants to have intimacy with his children. How do we gain to, how do we get to know our father? We have to spend time with him. We have to see what's more important. See, you have two different ways of looking at things. You have the world's way and you have God's way. And when you get into the Word of God, you just start to see things clearly. You see things differently. It says John wants them to know the time. It is the last hour, which meaning we're living in the last days. We do see what's going on on the media. We see what's going on in the world. It says he means the last segment of time from the coming of Christ until his, his return. During this period of history, we know Antichrist is coming, but even now many Antichrists have come. Though Antichrist will appear during the tribulation when the church is raptured, it says little Antichrists are active already. An Antichrist opposes and replaces Christ with the goal of distracting and derailing Christians from pursuing Christ. Some Antichrists have been involved among the believers to whom John was writing. However, like Judas, they eventually demonstrated their true colors and agenda by departing. And importantly, 
No one who denies the Son has the Father. John understands what the Lord Jesus himself taught when he said, No one comes to the Father except through me. Access to God is only found in his Son, Jesus Christ. What power and protection do believers have against these liars? The anointing and the truth. The anointing is not some special gift shared by only one elite clergy. John is addressing spiritual children. Every believer has the anointing, the internal teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit who illuminates the believer's mind to understand and apply God's truth, as well as to detect deception. Paul refers to to it as having the mind of Christ. Jesus told his disciples that the Holy Spirit would teach them and guide them into truth. Indeed, the anointing you receive from him remains in you and teaches you. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. John's John's point here is that the Holy Spirit's ministry always remains available to teach believers. But the truth, which you have heard from the beginning, must remain in us. Think of it like a satellite TV. The satellite communicates, but your satellite dish must receive the signal. The power of the Holy Spirit is available to every believer, but many believers do not operate in a position of dependency on the Spirit because their satellite dishes only function on Sunday mornings. Let's talk about it because that's true. You know, throughout the week, you live one way, go to church on Sunday, it's a different day. Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, you live a different way, go to church on Sunday, you live a different way. It, it can't be like that. It cannot be like that. Sundays should not be the only time that you're getting into your word. This should be a daily, a daily walk, a daily daily bread. The Bible calls it daily bread. It says, so what should we do? Remain in him. We have to remain in Christ. Again, there's that word that John loves so much. If you remain or abide in Jesus, you will have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. A believer can be acceptable, but not acceptable. A child who plays in the mind, for instance, is accepted by his parents. He is not, however, in an acceptable condition. Live every day on high alert, looking for Jesus to return, and it will influence you how to live. It truly will. Listen, today I just really wanted to open up the scriptures to you ladies and gentlemen to let you know this is imperative. This is something we do every single morning. And we read different scriptures and we go throughout the Bible so that we can encourage one another. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. And that's what I intend on doing. That's what God called me to do, to sharpen you in those areas of life. And we can all use some sharpening. You know, if we get our focus on our Father and on what His Word says, then you'll see a better outcome in your world. You have to apply the Word. You can't just read it. You have to be a doer of it. You have to be a listener. You have to seek Him. You know, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. It is true. He is real. And He's showing Himself mighty in the land of the living. You know, um, a lot of times, you know, when we're, when we're walking with our Father, He'll start to show us ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with looking at the man in the mirror because true change starts with yourself. But you have to be honest. You have to be honest because the Father's going to be honest with you. He is desiring you to walk closer with Him. He's desiring for you to have a deeper relationship with Him. Your relationship matters. Love and light, that's what Jesus came and represented. So these are my words of encouragement today. I pray that you guys have an amazing week. Do it with God. Don't do it alone. And know that He is on your side. Peace. I'm coming in hot. Coming in hot. Coming-